Epic Nation, what's up, family? Welcome back to another to another opportunity for us to get together from around the world. Do me one favor. Wherever you're logging in from, whether, I don't care whether you're in Seattle, you're in the streets, wherever you are, I want you to drop the city and state you're from. I just want to see who all is rocking with us. I know that we are a global ministry, so it's people from Trinidad, it's people from Vancouver, it's people from Australia that's rocking with us. So I just want to see who's rocking with us. Go ahead and drop it in the comments your city and your state and do me one favor the easiest form of evangelism is to invite somebody you don't have to do the rest all i want you to do is tell somebody about what's going down with the epic nation now i want to say this this is one of those sundays where i would be ignorant and negligent if i don't address some of the things that's going on in our country in our state in our city i think that everybody you got to be living under a rock to not know what's going on so the question we've got to be asking is what is the conversation that should be had surrounding race, surrounding faith? How do we bridge all these things? Now, while I'm saying this, did y'all share this with somebody yet? Let, let me look at it. No, still not yet. Nothing. Okay. I'll give y'all 30, 39, 38, 37. I need you to share this with somebody. Make sure that you push this out to a friend. Is there a coworker, somebody that you know that needs to be a part of what's going down right now? But... I want to start with the way we always start with heaven's best confession. Say this with me. Say this with me. Is everybody ready? Say this with me. I'm in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, meeting the right people, saying the right work. Did you get lost? Put the fried chicken away. You can wait until after this to do that. Come here. I'm in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, meeting the right people, saying the right words, what God thinks, I think, what God wants. I won't. And heaven's best is released over my life starting now. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. Let's jump right into the text today. I'm, I feel like making it do what it do. I feel like making it do what it do. We've been in a series called Summer Jobs. We've been in a series called Summer Jobs. I believe that the hardest job you'll ever work on is on yourself because it is this ongoing process that, that you never get sick days or days off. You are, all, you are always going to have to work on yourself to be the best version of you to receive heaven's best. So all summer long, we're dealing with everything from finance. We're dealing with mindset, time management, productivity, purpose. So if you have missed any part of the series, I encourage you to go back and watch, a, watch over the last few weeks as well as yesterday was amazing. We did a core three workshop where Elaine did a phenomenal job, a.k.a. E, dealing with resilience and finance and home ownership and credit. Krisha murdered it, talking about purpose. And I can't even begin to recap all she went into. And then they let me share for like five minutes. They was like, hey, well, you can say something. So I got on and was like, Jesus, well, and then Core 3 Workshop was over. But if you missed yesterday for the Core 3 Workshop, you missed a whole lot because it was phenomenal. Let's make it do what it do. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. New Living, Transla New Living Translation. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'm going to go. I was just going to read verse two and three. Actually, yeah, I'm going to just do two and three. Y'all, I, I think we have been in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one for three, for what, two, three weeks now. <laughs> like, I ain't been able to get out of that one text, but I love it. And let me pause and say this. Here, here's the phenomenal part about where I am. I just want to say this. I'm at Florida State University in Tallahassee, Florida. Here is why this is significant. We've been in a series about purpose. This is the same room in 2009 and 2010. I used to stand in this empty room, close my eyes and pretend I was speaking to people, pretend that I was traveling the world, pretend I was writing books. I had a vision of it 
and I had not clocked in the purpose yet. I've got the vision and the idea for the Epic Nation in this exact same room, walking around, standing in here every day. So how amazing is it? We're in a purpose series, and I'm literally standing back. It's like going back in the time to where it all started. And here's the beautiful part. I've got, I've got a huge congregation of my brother, my sister, and my niece. So if y'all hear a whole lot of noise, it's because they're so excited, okay? <laughs> Let's do it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 2. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. I got to read that slower for the person in the back. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. Verse 3. A time to kill and a time to heal. Whoa, that sounds dangerous. A time to tear down and a time to build up. Jeez. Okay, okay. I got to read that one more time because I, I don't think everybody's getting that. Solomon, if y'all know the context, is talking about life activity. He's explaining the fact that there is always going to be this equal opposite. He, he lists for us 14 positive and 14 negative things that are all connected to life activity. He starts the chapter saying to everything there is a time, there is a season, and there is a purpose. After he explains that life is ran by time, season, and purpose, he unlocks the activities and says, there's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time you should be planting, a time you should be harvesting. But here's the part that people argue about. How could he say there's a time to kill somebody? He, he must don't know about police brutality. He, he don't How could he possibly in the scriptures write there's a time to kill? That don't make sense. We got to unpack that. And there's a time to heal a time to tear down, that sounds like rioting, and a time to build up. Oh, man, this is crazy. I, I want to teach using as a subject who's going to pay for it. Who's going to pay for it? If y'all don't mind, I need you to type in the comments, who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for it? Now, that's a bit of a double entendre. And in case you log off before you hear the whole context of this subject, I got to give it to you early even before I pray. Because I want to say to you, for everything, here, here's the spiritual side of it. For everything you're praying for, is it, is it God's job to pay for it or should you invest something into it? Whose responsibility and whose bill is your dream? That, that's the spiritual side. Now, now the, the part of me that, that is unapologetically Christian but also unapologetically black has got to say, for all that is going on in our socioeconomic climate, who's going to pay for it? Is it going to be one or all four? Is, is it going to be the system Okay, okay, don't get into it, Mark. Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for the wreckage, the damage? Whose responsibility is it? Let's get into it. Father, I need your help. Give me the ability, the articulation, the expression, and the speech to say something that might be a little controversial. But Jesus never shied away from it, for he confronted Roman soldiers. He confronted racism. He confronted the same things we're facing now at a time that Jews and Samaritans didn't talk to each other. At a time that women and men didn't talk to each other. Poverty and those of wealth didn't talk to each other. So we are doing gospel-type ministry, doing what you called us to do. Give us grace to do what we do today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's make a do what to do. Who's going to pay for it? So check me out. I don't know where y'all grew up at. But where I grew up at, we used to play a little game, and I think my brother would remember this. Remember that game we used to play called Tic Tac or That's My Car? Tic Tac, That's My Car. I don't know if y'all remember that game called MASH, where you used to write out how many, who remembers MASH? Where you would write out 
who you're going to marry, how many houses, how many cars, you draw all the stuff out. These childhood games, or you'd be driving in the car, and we used to literally be in my parents' van having a fist fight because I would say, Tic Tac, that's my car. Uh-uh, I claim that one. It really don't belong to neither one of us, but we fighting about this imaginary dream, this imaginary idea, playing Tic Tac and that's my car. I start realizing the question that we never asked ourselves in the midst of our imagination, in the midst of our desire for wanting something, you don't claim ownership of something simply because you have a desire to want it. We never asked ourselves, even if we had the opportunity to get what we're arguing about, who was going to pay for it? Now, here's the other side of it I start realizing. Now that we're adults, we still are playing an adult-type game, except we ain't playing Tic Tac and that's my car. We're playing vision boards. We're playing affirmations. Click like and amen if you believe you're going to get this. This whole, this whole dreaming, this, you ever see somebody say, I'm, gonna, I'm envisioning my future. That's cool. You should do it. But who's going to pay for it? So the question I keep asking myself when I'm having this conversation is, when we're seeing people of faith who are extremely frustrated with their life, Whose responsibility is it to cover the bill of what I do? Is prayer enough to pay for all of my life's ambition? Is prayer enough to pay for everything that I want? Okay, go get old gospel early. Here's what I will ask you. Do you believe, to, to my people that are super spiritual, do you believe that, that the sole responsibility of your faith and the only requirement you have for the things you want in life is to do nothing more than pray? Now, this might sound really hard. Do you believe that the only, the only investment into the things you want is as simple as, God, let me have a house, let me have a car, let me have this? Or do you believe that there is a higher level of payment that comes with time management, responsibility, investment, education? What do you think are the things that you pay for the things that you want? Like, how, how you invest into that? Pregnant pause, pregnant pause, pregnant pause. This is a hard conversation to have with people of faith because we've been taught that the, that the only thing I got to do to make payments for the life that I want, deserve, and desire is to pray. But I, I would venture to say to you, much like, much like what my mama said to me years ago, I go half on it. <laughs> that God, the majority of the stuff, God goes half on it. He gives you time and ability. It's up to you to invest the time and ability. So here's what I would say to a person. I can always tell when somebody's serious about what they want by the level of investment they make into it. Let me, let me explain. So I remember living here in Tallahassee. I was never serious about refereeing. Never. To me, it was just a money play. It was just a means to make money. So I never really invested in the referee shirts, pants, shoes. My brother would give me the shoes. My brother would give me the whistle. But I realized he had a bag specifically for refereeing. He can look at the level of his investment into what it is that he wanted that showed his connection to it. When I see people that the only thing they do is pray, it's because they have very little investment. They're expecting people and God to pay for what they never paid for. But let me explain to you. The investment that God makes when he goes half on your dreams is giving you time. Time is, time is relegated to the earth. You can always tell if you're responsible and want what you want if you invest your time back into it. I'm not talking about these things that you wink at, wink at, flirt with. Your obsessions become your possessions. It is the things you obsess about, the thing that you constantly, if you can look around your house, your phone, what are the things, if you bookmark your, your laptop, what are the things that you see all the time tells me what it is you're serious about. 
Purpose does not allow you to date it and other th people. It requires an exclusive relationship. When you really want something, when you're really serious about it, you've got to go all in like, like a car with no brakes going downhill. What is the thing that I'm committed to giving for the rest of my life towards? That becomes my investment back into, okay, okay, okay. Move, move, Marcus. We, we're trying to keep time. Move, move. To, the Bible says, okay, I'm in my text now. To everything, to everything, there is a time and a season to every purpose under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. I got to deal with that time to be born. There are two days in a person's life. Two days. The first day is the day, come here, the day you were born and the day you find out why. There was a quote that declares that it, there are two days in a person's life, the day they are born and the day they find out why. Now, when I get into this text and it says a time to be born, I am not talking about when you leap, when you came through your mother's womb. What I'm looking at is the frailty of humanity. I don't control the day I was born, nor do I control the day that I die. Neither one of these do I have access or control over. So that does not govern the quality of the life I live. The quality of the life I live is based on the decisions I make. You are born looking like your parents, but you will die looking like your decisions. I'll say it again. You are born looking like your parents, but you will die looking like the quality of your decisions. I don't make a decision about when I'm born. I don't make a decision about when I die, but I decide how I live. Oh, uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Which, which says to me, which says something to me. When I see, I've got to ask you this question. How much information is attached to the decisions you make? A quality decision has an education attached to it. I, I can't look at a, a moment and make a decision about my future. How much education is attached to the decision I make? So to everything, there is a time and a season, but there is a time to be born. I'm not talking about when you enter through your mother's womb. I'm talking about here's what I need you to hear. Let's teach this. Here's what I need you to hear. Let's teach. Let's teach. The people who truly live a, a high quality of life have multiple birthdays. They don't just, like, I was born May 17th, 1984. That is the day that I, that I came through my mother's womb. But the people who are truly clocked in the purpose, remember the day you were born and the day you found out why, have multiple birthdays. What is multiple birthdays? The day I made a decision that changed the quality of my life. My first birthday was, septem was come here, September, was September 19th, 2019. I mean, excuse me, 2009. It is when I decided, this speaking thing is it. Like, I, I got something. I got something on this. And it's when I, I became serious about it. October 10th, 2010 was my next birthday. That's when I birthed this idea of when the day that every day I'm going to invest into one gift, one talent, one thing. That's a birthday. It is the moment that you make a commitment and a decision to something. I'm, can I tell y'all, not just because my niece is here, but another birthday I had as a man. I remember she was about, well, she 12, about to be 13 now. So she was like six years old, and we was at my mom's house on 5504 Westview. We kicking it, right? And I, I said, babe, and we were talking about when she get older. And I said, I said, babe, what are you going to do when you get older? She said, I'm going to get married and have some kids. I said, you don't get married? Yep, I'm going to marry. She said, I'm going to marry somebody like you and daddy. Don't you want me to do that? And I paused and said, well, no, because I'm texting three girls right now. It hit my heart and, it, and I realized and made a, I'm 100% I'm serious. I made a conscious decision. I can't in good conscience tell her to marry somebody like me. So it was a birthday as a man to make a decision to change. Every person that's going to live a high quality of life, the payment you make today is the future that you're going to have. So you should have multiple birthdays. What is the day you made a decision of something you're going to do that you're living in now? Like, can you date back? 
Can you date back to say, this is when I threw myself at something. This is when I made a decision to change. This is when I made a decision to be different. This is when I made a decision. I won't babysit my pain. This is when I made a decision. This, listen to me. I will not be incarcerated to the opinions or the decisions of somebody else. I made a decision as a man. My father's a grown man. My mother's a grown woman. I won't carry their decisions or whatever they did or didn't do until my future. Those are the birthday. There are two days in a person's life, the day they are born and the day they discover why. The day they discover the reason for their existence, the day that they make a decision. And if you're going to have a high quality of life, you can't collect birthdays and paychecks and just say you turn it up on your birthday. You ought to have multiple days throughout the year that you make a decision. That's the day you're born because you are re that's a good word. You are reimagining your life. You are reimagining your life. You are reimagining your life. You get the ability to create. I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't decide what my, mother, my parents did, did or didn't do. I couldn't decide how many brothers and sisters I had. That was my mama's, mama and daddy nastiness that controlled birth order and how many kids they had. I couldn't decide that. I couldn't decide what city I was born to. I couldn't decide the quality of education. I couldn't decide whether I was born black or white. But guess what I can decide? I can decide to make a decision to pay for the future that I want. Here's what I'm going to ask you. For all the things you want in your future, who's going to pay for it? People aren't, okay, all right, let's go, let's go TV. Somebody on here, you're like, I don't do all this motivational gospel stuff. Okay, cool. Show I Love is a show called Shark Tank. And one of the major questions they ask is, how much money do you currently have invested in the business? They are not willing to make an investment into anything that you have not invested into. The bank is going to ask, how much do you have for collateral? Nobody invests into anything, even if you, even if you had a flat tire. You know the best way to get help? Start fixing the tire. Sit in your car with a flat tire and wait on somebody to pull up and say, do you need help? And see how long it takes. Nobody helps a person that ain't already moving, making a payment on the life that they want. So I got to ask you, I got to ask you, the payments for your life is not tweets, nor is it Facebook posts or Instagram posts. That's too easy. How much are you paying? Who's going to pay for it? Who's, who, who's going to pay for it? I got to move. Okay, there's a yeah, yeah, time to be born and a time to die. And I be, I've come to realize one of my favorite quotes is Howard Thurman. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive because what the world needs is those that have come alive. I be, I've, I've started noticing that all around the world, I'm noticing there are people who have turned occupations and relationships into cemeteries. That you can go into any job place and see that they have turned it into a cemetery because their purpose and their vision for their life has died. They have turned their environment into a death place. That any place you go into, those who have no zeal, no passion, they have stopped hoping, wishing, and investing. You can always tell the person. You can always tell the person who, have, who has stopped making a decision to have multiple birthdays and start just existing. I'm talking about the walking dead. That they are walking through life without... They are walking through life without any connection to anything beyond them. They have no reason to live. They have nothing that makes them come alive. They just have things that pay them a paycheck. Oh my! Let me sip my drink to this. Why? Why? Let me ask this better question. Why am I teaching this? Because I'm noticing that there is a disconnect between people who take no personal responsibility for their life but blame it on faith. So there almost has to be this just position where you stand up for God and stand up for people's life to say, have you made any investment towards your future other than talking about it? <laughs> oh, Lord, that's rough. 
Okay. Okay. A time to be born and a time to die. I want to get off that time to be born for a second. I want to get off of it and go into a time to die. But before I do, I've got to say, when you start thinking about the progress of life, please write this down. Write this down. This is the best place to write this down. Write this down. Progress is connected to priority and priority is connected to purpose. Write this down. Progress is connected to priority and priority is connected to purpose. Come on, you should be writing this down. Progress is connected to priority. Priority is connected to purpose. You are old enough to know that growing older don't mean growing up. You're old enough to know that length of days and length of time does not mean that the relationship grows. Because I've known you for 20 years don't mean that I've known you 20 years. It requires a re-engagement period because progress means that you continue to prioritize something. Whenever a person's life stops progressing and stops moving, it's because their priorities are out of order. If you ever want to see when something started dying, when if you ever want to see when, when something starts coming to an end, it's when a person believes that their seniority trumps their ability to develop a skill. It's when a person believes that just because I go to church every Sunday, like they'll say, I know because I go every Sunday. That has nothing to do with nothing. The moment you stop progressing, progress is connected to priority. Your priority is connected to your purpose. I could tell who's serious about their purpose by their priority. I could tell who has a priority by their progress. You can look at a person's life and tell who has no purpose, who has no priority, because their life has no progress. If you look at the people you admire, there is this constant reimagining of being a, a birth in their life. Remember, multiple birthdays. I, can I tell you another birthday of mine? December 2014, when I made the decision to quit my job and move to Atlanta with no job, no income, and didn't know what I was going to do. That's a birthday. Because I stepped out to reimagine a life and paid for a future. Are y'all getting this? I need, you, I need you to connect to this stuff to really understand your progress in life is going to be connected to your priority. It's not time you don't have, it's priority. I say it all the time. Everybody got the same 24 hours. Your ability to assess and connect to something. Last night, I'm up to 3, 4 in the morning on my laptop, just at it. Thinking about what direction I want to go with this. How do I want to position this? What do I want to do? Why, why spend that much time when the truth be told, I've got enough text in my head that I could have pulled something out and, talk, and taught you. Because my purpose, my priority, and my progress is all connected to each other. Okay. All right. Moving right along. A time to die. A time to die. We in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 2. There's a time to be born and a time to die. Why would the Bible tell me there's a time to die? He is not talking about when breath leaves my body and the cessation of life leaves. A time to die is deeply connected to the necessary endings of life. A time to die, it, it, is, it is always a time that something has to end. It, my, my parting away of something, when something has to come, come to an end, let's write this down. How do I know when it's time for something to die? And here, uh-oh, Put on your seatbelts. I feel that social justice piece coming on. How do I know when it's time for something to die? When the thing I dislike about you, I'm becoming. The number one way I know when it's time for something to end, it is when the thing I despise the most about somebody else I'm becoming, I got to part ways. When I don't like negativity, but because you're so negative, I find myself waiting for a moment to point out your mistakes because you always point out mine. When the thing I dislike about you, I'm becoming, it's time, it's time for an ending.
It's time for the thing to die. The, the, the fact and the idea of, and I caught myself during the process of seeing a man sitting, laying on the ground with a, with a knee on his neck for almost 10 minutes, gasping for breath, no longer fighting. He is physically dying. But what is also dying is the patience of people who will sit back and watch while the justice system, it is an analogy, the same way this man's knee was on his neck, the justice system has had his knee on the necks of people, not allowing them to breathe, to have life, to figure out their purpose, their why, or to elevate themselves in life. And when the thing that we despise, hatred, oppression, racism, we become, it's time for a necessary ending. When the thing we dislike, you, you do realize the necessary ending for the people. Oh, come here, come here, come here. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Facebook, don't, don't, tear my, don't take the video down for hate speech. I ain't saying nothing bad. Here, here's what I need you to understand. To every person that will watch this video who makes the statement, well, I don't believe they should be looting and riot, although I do not believe they should either. But here's what I want you to understand. Where do you think all these artifacts and museums came from as nobody rioted and looted? Where does the artifacts come from? Okay, they shouldn't destroy people's property. I agree that, that black lives matter, but don't destroy people's property. Have y'all heard of the Boston Tea Party? How do you think the United States of America came to be? If, did they not take 342 cases of tea and throw it into the water? And their purpose and reason was, we're tired of taxation without representation. And we celebrate the Boston Tea Party that will establish America. Did they not throw away and vandalize somebody's property? So how now do we have, have the audacity to say you shouldn't destroy somebody's property when we celebrate the fact that we broke away from the British and became these United States of America? Come here, come here. That don't make no sense. So all of a sudden, we've got selective amnesia and laryngitis. We choose to not remember and we choose to not speak about what is truly history. How do we celebrate these Memorial Days, 4th of July? Do you realize that every holiday we celebrate is bloody? Thanksgiving? <laughs> it, is the taking, it is the fighting of people against tyranny and oppression and the stealing of someone's land and property. So how now do we not realize that there is a time to die? And I don't mean the killing of someone, but I am talking about the ending of a season, the necessary ending of the fact that we walk out. Please hear this. We walk out our houses and say, oh, my God, look at the rainbow. And people for miles will stare at a rainbow. What is a rainbow but a compilation of colors? We can admire the beauty of when multiple colors come together and are painted in the sky, but look down and despise diversity. How on planet Earth does the whole world pause to stare at rainbows but look down and turn up their nose to see multiple colors? It's, it's a, I learn about me by learning about you. I learn about me by learning about you, the necessary ending of life. I, I have to go into this idea of, like, I, I wish we would stop ignoring. Let me give you this story. So the story is told of a man who's on a train, and he's on a, tra he's on a train, let's just, let's just say a subway in New York, and his kids are destroying property. I'm talking about they going and bothering, slapping people. The father's just sitting there like this. And his kids, I mean, they, they worse than Bebe's kids. Bebe's kids are called them Bebe's kids. The kids are tearing up the place. They're making noise. They're screaming. They're crying. He's got three kids. He can't control them. Finally, people on the train said, sir, do you not hear and see what your kids are doing? The man said, I'm so sorry. We just, we, he said, we just pulled up to our house and we found their mother dead. And I don't know how to tell my kids. Everybody on the train got quiet and said, oh, my God, sir, I'm so sorry. And started rallying around to entertain and play with the kids. Let me say to you, America, 
We just found out that somebody just died in our family. How is it possible that we don't rally around in the same way and understand that somebody's hurting? Why do we feel the need, much like if you walked into a hospital and somebody just told you that their family member passed away of cancer, would you open your mouth and say, well, there's other people who died of high blood pressure? Or would you empathize enough to realize and agree that cancer kills a lot of people? Or would you feel the need to say, well, other diseases kill people, car crashes kill people? At a certain point, <laughs> stats, figure, data don't matter when somebody's in trouble. A, a time to be born, a time to die, the necessary endings of life, the necessary endings of life. When what, I, when what I despise the most I'm becoming, am I becoming judgmental? Am I becoming racist? I can't be a person that has love that fills my heart and let racism fill my heart while I secretly no longer trust people of other colors and other nationalities, other race, because I feel like they don't trust me. Racism has to end when what I despise I'm becoming. I'm becoming leery of people that don't look like me. I'm in the rest stop coming from Panama City to Tallahassee, and I'm seeing people come in with Confederate flag shirts on, and I felt myself feel uncomfortable. I realized when what I dislike I'm becoming, what if they feel that way about me because I'm African-American? I said, God, help my heart. When what I dislike I'm becoming, it's got to end. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. What, what's the, all right, I've been in social justice long enough. I have a dream, okay. <laughs> let's, let's, let's wake up. The next, let's go spiritual. Let's go spiritual. Let's go spiritual for a second. Let's go spiritual for a second. All right. You, you might recall this beautiful story in the Bible where this lawyer tries to justify not being nice to his neighbor. And Jesus, who is, is genius at what he does, is having a conversation with the lawyer. And the lawyer asked the, the pregnant question, who is my brother or who is my neighbor? And Jesus gives the story about a man who fell amongst thieves and was beaten, broken, bruised. And he says that the priest walked past him on the other side of the street. He talks about each person who walks by him and he says, and a Samaritan. Why a Samaritan? Because Jews didn't speak to Samaritans. Found this man, paid for what he needed, patched his wounds and made sure he was okay. Jesus is, is pointing at racism in his cultural context and explaining who is your neighbor. He, all of humanity is tied together by a single thread. Pain is what we are. Pain and love is what we have in common. How we respond to both is our difference. Pain and love is what we have in common. How we respond to pain, how we respond to love is our difference. All of us are the same. Don't nobody want their life in danger. Don't nobody want to be oppressed. Don't nobody want to be abused. Pain and love is the common thread. So we are all family. Okay, who, who's, who's going to pay for it, though? <laughs> who, who, who's going to pay for it? Let's, let's get into it. The necessary ending. Okay, okay, necessary ending. Necessary ending. Necessary ending. Necessary ending. A time to die. And then the text tells me something so beautiful. It says, a time to, it says, a time to plant. And a time to harvest. I'm only in verse two. I told y'all we probably gonna be in Ecclesiastes all month. A time to plant and a time to harvest. This leads me to the what they would, if I was in a Baptist church. This leads me to the circumference of my text. This leads me there. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to plant and a time to harvest. Please hear this. What is Okay, now I ask it this way. 
In every person's life, I started asking myself the question when I was praying over this message. God, does the seasons of harvesting and planting ever run at the same time? Do I simultaneously have to be ambidextrous and plant at the same time that I'm harvesting? Or do I need to have a season of investing into something that I cannot see? Uh-oh. A time to plant. Do you know what planting requires? It requires a person to give up something, to bury it with the projection of the idea that at some point what I gave away will come back to me. Oh, let me say it again. A time to plant. Okay. If, you, if a person is going to ever be a leader or do every, anything in their life, it is impossible to progress in life without shedding from your, from your life who you were before you started. For every single thing that your life requires, it requires for something else to die. You do not have the ability to hold on to all of the things in your life at a certain point in order for you to throw yourself and pay for your future. It requires for a part of you to shed and to die. So if there's going to be a planting and a harvesting, it cannot move simultaneously. There has to be a season of life where I'm planting into something with the expectation of a harvest. Okay, so go deeper with this, Marcus. Go deeper with this. Time to plant, time to harvest. What, what do I mean? How, what do I mean about the seasons being, typically not being simultaneous? How, how does this happen? How is the seasons not si simultaneous? Here, here's my big point in the whole message. Let's go Bible. Let's go Bible. Y'all write this down. Y'all remember this beautiful text, Matthew, Matthew chapter number 25. Matthew chapter number 25. Jesus gives this story, and I love the way he talks it because it sounds real ghetto gospel. Jesus says something. He says, hey, there's just, he tells a story about five foolish virgins and five wise virgins. Five foolish virgins and five wise virgins. This is Jesus talking. It's in red. I didn't write it. But, he, but I won't get deep into the text, but here's what I would ask. I started wondering, what, how do I know the difference between who's foolish and who's wise? Jesus says... That the bridegroom comes and the foolish women did not have enough to be ready. So they asked to borrow from those who prepared extra. I know who's ready for harvest versus planting by who has been preparing. Preparation is a language. Wise and foolish is determined by preparation to prepare for a season. I can always look at a person. Please hear this. Have you ever realized people that never give, never have to give, but their expectation is people should give to them? Stingy people never have enough. <laughs> Selfish people never have enough. The quality of their life is never enough. So here's the, here's the idea. When God begins to move you into seasons of harvest. Oh, look, I see the comments. Oh, I see you, Lexus. When God begins to move you into a season of planting versus harvesting, please hear this. Three things you got to pay attention to because this is how purpose is birthed. God, your life and your purpose are going to connect, be connected to person, place, and people. Person, place, and people. Person, singular. Where you connect to a person, somebody who favors you. Man, I really like you. I want to give you an opportunity to do blank. Think about the times in your life where something changed. It was a person. But that person recognized your preparation. Typically, the door that opens you up into a new level of life was you investing or planning something in your life in a season that seemed like you weren't getting nothing out of it. Does anybody remember what it was like? I, this is to my real people who's go-getters. This ain't for everybody. Give me 30 seconds. This is to my go-getters. Well, you remember getting in your car and driving miles for not enough money. You remember driving three hours for $35, $45, $60. $60. It wasn't the money you was after. You was planting in one season to harvest in another. 
Oh, I, I got to holler at my bro because he know. You know what it's like to drive two hours for $35, but it wasn't the $35. It's, it's that college check that you was after. When, who remembers what it's like to spend hours looking at something, getting paid zero? It wasn't the hours. It was the preparation. When I'm talking about this harvesting and planting, God, the person who is going to recognize your life, anytime somebody gives you an opportunity, they are investing their life into your life. That's why it speeds up the process. If I give you an opportunity to be in business with me, I spent the last 13 years and several dollars of investment. I'm in essence giving you years of my life when I give you an opportunity. But I won't give away an opportunity to somebody who never prepared for one. God, who is smart enough to know that you ain't prepared, for him to give you an opportunity is to give the person who gives it to you a curse. For you to be connected to somebody to favor you. If I'm praying, God, send me a partner, somebody in business. God, send me a wife, send me this. For God to send me a person who ain't ready is to send me a curse. <laughs> Why would he answer your prayer and not answer mine? For those of you who are waiting on somebody to cut an Ed McMahon or a lottery check to propel you into your future that you've made no investment into, to bless you is to curse them. Why would he answer yours and not, why would he answer yours and not theirs? A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to plant. Ain't nothing in life worse than a person who has never thrown themselves, never invested fully in something, and, and, are, and are cute. They have 20-20 vision on criticism, but cannot see themselves and realize they need to change things in their own life. Ain't nothing in life worse than that person. A time to plant and a time to harvest. We, we out of here. Time to plant, time to harvest. This idea of this ambidextrous nature to understand that this is the moment in my life that I get the opportunity to throw myself at something, to give myself to something. But here's what I told you last week. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. Remember, we're back in it. The connection, the purpose, person, place, and people. There is always a group of people that's waiting to welcome you if there's preparation. Preparation has a language. Preparation speaks and communicates to God, I'm ready for what I'm praying for. Preparation whispers and it screams. It whispers it and late at night and tells somebody that don't even know you, man, look at that dude. It's an unspoken language. When somebody sees you doing something, they can tell whether you're prepared or not prepared. You ever watch somebody do something, you can say, no, nah, I don't think they worked on that. Preparation has a language that speaks without you speaking. Preparation tells, tells a person I was ready for and waiting on, and I planted myself in a previous season to inherit something in this season. I'm going to ask you again, who's going to pay for what you're praying for? Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to make the investment into you? Don't ask somebody to pay for what you're not willing to pay for yourself. Hit, 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 last, last piece, last piece, last piece. He says, a time to kill and a time to heal. I'll end right here. I want you to know, for those people that call themselves scholars, Solomon is not saying a time to kill as it relates to murder. He is talking about a time of killing as it relates to war where a person is defending or fighting for something. He is not talking about just going and murdering somebody. I've heard people make the argument that the Bible contradicts itself because it says thou shall not kill and then turns around and says there's a time to kill. These are not the same words. A time to kill as a, thou shall not kill as it relates to murder. Thou shalt not murder, officer. Thou shalt not murder, officer. But there is a time to kill as it relates to defending ourselves from oppression, from tyranny. He is talking about fighting back and warfare, in war. 
So there is a time for war, but there is never a time for murder. Oh, my God, this is... Now, I, I know this is not an, a, as exciting of a message that we would normally teach, but this is necessary. A time to kill and a time to heal. My, my, the difficult thing, part of this message and why I struggled with it, because I wanted to give you something much more exciting, is because I realize we're living in both at the same time. The time of killing as it relates to murder and the time of healing. And believe it or not, the psychological trauma that we all are experiencing, never in the history of, of the world did we think that we would all be witnesses to three murders in less than two months. We watched Amal Berry get shot and killed on TV around the world. Millions of people are witnesses to a murder. We can take it when it's a movie. I watched Denzel get shot up in training day, but I knew that he was still alive. So I could take it in a movie. But to watch on Facebook, to watch a video circulate around the internet, we are, by the time we finish, we, jump, we just around the world put on, put on our tennis shoes and jawed for Ahmaud, Bar Ahmaud Arbery. And by the time we, we couldn't even ice our knees good before we saw another murder. How do we heal with killing happening at the same time? Even a body that's working out needs recovery time. How can a body of people living in America continue to have time under tension, I'm talking weight training now, without recovery. Will there ever be a time without tension, and, and, I, and here's, here's the double entendre of the message, the turn in the text. I think the healing begins when we can answer the question, who's going to pay for it? The healing cannot begin until the question is answered in America, who's going to pay for it? I, I won't get on the soapbox of reparations. I won't get on the soapbox. But for everything, somebody's got to pay for it. Somebody's got to pay for what, what has been taken away from someone. Somebody's got to pay for the life that has been taken. This is biblical. When, Jesus is, when God has given the law to Moses, he says, if a man kills another man, he must, his life must be taken. He says, for an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He said, if it is accidental, and he gives the law in Exodus and turns around in the New Testament and gives it to us again. This is biblical, my friends. This is the faith in which we believe. But I want to say to those of you that are hurting, to those of you who are frustrated, do not let what you dislike, you start becoming. Do not let the hate in your heart, that you, you do not like that someone despises you and hates you and prejudges you. Let us not ever become what we despise. Let us not ever look out and the thing that we want people to stop doing, we start doing. The moment we do that, we become them. We lose. We literally, we, we, we literally allow ourselves to, to inject ourselves with a breakdown of our social and spiritual and emotional immune system because we have drunk the poison of hatred. I'll say this to you and I end. My encouragement to every, to every person is to start having the conversation. But have the conversation with an open mind to be able to hear what someone is saying and what someone is not saying. Be able to comprehend as well as, to, as, well as communicate. I'm going to say it again. Be able to comprehend as well as communicate. Don't just, listen, don't just speak. Listen. Hear what people are saying. Don't be, in a, don't be in a rush to tell someone what you think and to give someone a piece of your mind. We would be remiss to not talk about what is going on in our society and our culture. What is God's position on it? But, but I want you to know this. This is not the first time in the history of mankind that an innocent man has been killed. 
I don't know if you remember, but it was 2,000 years ago. Come here, I feel like preaching. That a man who was, who was born of a woman, but was not born by a man, but was born of God, came into the earth. He came to his own, but as many as received him, he gave the opportunity to become the sons of God. It is this same Jesus who was pointed out, and they pointed him out based on geographical location in which he was born. And they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So Jesus was isolated for his social economic upbringing because Nazareth and Bethlehem were poor cities. David was looked, out, was looked over because he came from a poor family and socioeconomically he was a shepherd. It is the same context that we look at now, oh my God, that we see the same Jesus, but excuse me to my African-American brothers and sisters, there is no historical figure in the Bible that didn't pass through Egypt. I don't know if you've ever looked at a map lately, but Egypt is in Africa. It is Jesus who, when he was born, his family must take him to Egypt. It is Moses who, when he, when he decides that he is going to go part away, goes to Egypt. It is Joseph who went through Egypt. Name to me one figure that changed our lives biblically that didn't pass through Africa. So I want to say to you, for those of you who believe that, that, though, that there is not this context of this innocent man who could be killed, your faith is hinged on a man who was an immigrant. Jesus, your faith is hands on a man who was who was separated, born to a condition that would mean to us that socially social economic status would not position him to be anything. And he was and he was killed beside two criminals. But he was an innocent man. This is not new to us. But if we're going to heal, it must be from the inside out that you got to be to somebody else what you expect them to be to you. My question to America, my question to every person. Spiritually, practically, here's my practical question. For the things you're praying for, who's going to pay for it? Here's my spiritual question. Here's my spiritual question. For the things that, that God has called you to do, how will you partner with him? God has already paid the full price for everything in your life, but what do you give back to him? And here is my social question. For the injustice that is going on now, who's going to pay for it? Father, I thank you for what's been said, what's been done. Help your people. Help us to heal through this time. I hope I've said it, what you wanted me to say the way you wanted me to say it. Give me, help me with responsibility of this message. God, help me to understand how to lead a group of people around the world. I understand that we are represented online by multiple states, cities, nationalities, cultures. There are people on here that is of every background, every race, every creed. If it came across as if I was against any race of people, God, help them to hear me clearly and truly hear the essence of what I'm saying. Touch, help, and heal your people. Help us all to begin to unify one to another, to understand and to perceive what each other are saying. God, we need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you to everybody who logged in. This is nuts. This is nuts to see all of you logged in from around the world. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If, this, if For many of you who've been rocking with us for a very long time, and you say, man, I watch, I watch y'all every week. I watch y'all every week. I get so many messages in my DMs. It, it don't be, it be going down, but not really going down in my DMs, if you know what I mean. So, so <laughs> I get messages all the time of, man, I watch y'all every week. I got a message from a guy, uh, what was it, yesterday, day before yesterday, out in, that's out in Africa who said that he sets his alarm because I think it's like a six or eight hour difference and watches us. Got a message from another guy in Toronto and on down the line. So I'm starting to see our reach is crazy. Seattle, who's three hour time difference. So it's 12 here. It, what is it, nine o'clock in Seattle. To my people in Vancouver, 
like just to think about all these people around the world, I want, I want us all to understand the epic nation is multicultural, multinational. Like think about multi-generational. We have people from all over the world that have a different context of life. We understand the plight of each other. So I want to ask each of you, if this is your church, let's make it official. Stop, don't let us be your side chick no more. If you would like to be a part of the epic nation and you say, okay, I feel you. I, I claim a church in my city, but I don't really go there and I don't really watch it. They get my time and my resources, but I, but I, I, I get fed from epic. Let's make, this, let's, let's make it do what it do. Let's make this your church home. If you are currently watching, and you, whether you're watching live or the replay, and you have determined today that you want the Epic Nation to be your church home, just drop in the comments the word epic. Drop in the comments the word epic. Drop 